Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy name, 
Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning, hail, snow, clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. Praise the Lord. We bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, Grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God through the same Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for this Sunday is written in Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thedius appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. 
Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Our second reading, the epistle reading, is written in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God.
Hallelujah. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hallelujah. Our gospel reading for this Sunday is from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Glory be to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. <laughs> 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for our message starts with verse 24 of John 20 and the story of Thomas. Thomas who needed to see. I would love to compile a list sometime. It would be a list from all of you. It would be one thing from each of you that you saw that you just happened to see and that you would not have believed unless you saw it. The ability of people to edit or enhance videos these days make us very skeptical of what we see on YouTube or even what we see in photos. At least you should be skeptical. But some things still amaze me. And indeed, they are true. I have seen it. It is true. Have you ever seen elephants painting? It's popular in Thailand uh, with tourists these days. You put a paintbrush in an elephant's trunk and they are able to paint a picture. Clearly paint a picture of an elephant under a tree or an elephant holding a flower it's not the sort of abstract thing where it might be this or that, or you're not sure what it is. It is simple. It is crude, perhaps, but there it is. It's a picture of an elephant and a flower or under a tree or whatever. The first time I saw that, I could not believe it. And later I learned that elephants have been doing this. They've been painting since the 1930s. It started in America and then went back over to Asia. And the first picture painted in a zoo by an elephant like that was way back in 1940. And later in the 70s, the idea was brought to Thailand. About the time the government there outlawed using elephants for logging, it was considered a kinder, gentler use of the pachyderms. But you would not believe it unless you saw it. People need to see from the time a dad hoisted their child to their shoulders watching a parade, or a kid peered through a knothole at a baseball game, children have pleaded to their parents, I want to see. I need to see. Thomas needed to see. We are a bit judgmental of Thomas. His label lasts forever, even if his doubt did not. Doubting Thomas. He is labeled forever that way, but we should not forget how it was with the others. The women, they saw angels Easter morning. Peter and John, they saw the burial cloths wrapped in a very distinctive way inside the empty tomb. Cleopas and his friend on the way to Emmaus walked and talked with Jesus and then eating, breaking bread with their friend. He opened their eyes. They saw him. Mary saw Jesus, and then on that first Easter evening, Jesus appeared among them all with the words, Peace be to you. But Thomas, he did not get to see anything. And the phrase was never more sincere, Man, you should have been here to see it. But alas, Thomas was not there. Thomas did not see and Thomas, at least for the first seven days after that first Easter, did not believe. 
people struggle with faith, in part because we do not like to be manipulated or made to look like a fool. P.T. Barnum would have loved a painting elephant. He supposedly said there's a sucker born every minute, but his biographer, Arthur Saxon, tried to track down when Barnum had supposedly said it, and he never did. There's no contemporary account of it or even any suggestion that the word sucker was used in that derogatory sense in his day. Barnum was just not the type to disparage his own patrons, so Saxon wrote. But the idea illustrates just how leery we are or should be of about what is reported as real or true. Walter Cronkite, some of you a half century old perhaps will remember how he signed off each newscast. His last one was in 1981. And that's the way it is. Everybody sort of says that sort of thing these days, that they have the truth. But few of us believe it with the same confidence as with Walter Cronkite, for instance. Our age is a very skeptical age. It is an age when many of this generation do not claim belief or see any real reason to. If people are spiritual at all, outside the church. They are very shallow in their spirituality. They dwell more on sentiment than anything, eclectic in all their spiritual choices. The most potent religion in the news the past few years has been Islamic fanatics who constantly want to start a new caliphate or blow things up. Have you noticed? Even that is waning fast. The great lesson of Thomas is contained in the words of Jesus and Thomas' own conditions and Thomas's own confession. Thomas had a set of conditions for his belief. It was that he put his hands into the wounds, the wound from the spear in the side of Jesus. He vowed that he would not believe unless he actually put his fingers into the holes where the nails were driven through the hands of Jesus. Think about that a moment. Paintings of the masters of this story, the the great masters, when they painted it, often featured Thomas reaching out to touch these wounds. And maybe he did. But I doubt that. Notice how scripture tells us Jesus appears and challenges Thomas to put his finger into the wounds, to reach out his hand and put it into his side. But we are not told Thomas did that. No, another word immediately comes from Jesus. Stop doubting and believe. The conditions that Thomas had set for belief were not needed to believe. The other disciples did not need them. We do not need them. And Thomas did not need them. Jesus tells us that Thomas believed because he had seen. Thomas had seen, but more importantly, he had heard. He had heard enough. The conditions we consider necessary for belief are not necessary. They are our own sentiments. They spring from sin in this world, 
The world is full of people who use religion as a tool, as a way to make money, as a way to bolster their ego, as a way to drive cultures or lead the masses. And we are tired of being sold. People always have been. Thomas was. But Jesus isn't selling anything. The Christian church is not selling anything. Christ isn't out to conquer you or sell you. He did not conquer Thomas or sell him. Jesus came to tell him. This is the same thing that happens right this moment. Christ came as a gift to the whole world. Christ came as a gift to you. His wounds proclaim that gift. He loved you. He loves you. He was willing to die for our sins. He, the innocent Lamb of God, was willing to carry a cross to a rocky bluff outside Jerusalem and be nailed to it. He did do this in order to pay for our sin and make clear God's will to redeem you. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. We are tired, lost, sometimes easily deceived, sometimes easily despondent in the midst of this sinful world and a population of sinful people. This world is always looking for an advantage, a way to protect itself, a way to survive, a way to surpass some competition. Jesus had such wounds because he lived and died to sacrifice in love for you, not to survive. The whole survival thing, the law of tooth and claw, was not even on his list of priorities. The conditions that Thomas demanded were not important at all in the end. The fact that Jesus had these wounds was because he loved Thomas and he loved this whole world. And that is what mattered. And Thomas saw that Jesus had died and Thomas saw that Jesus was raised. So Thomas made his confession. And notice it comes immediately with the words of Christ. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. And what does Thomas do? Does Thomas take Jesus up on his offer to touch his wounds? Hardly. I do not think Thomas would even dare or even think to dare to do that unless it was out of sheer obedience when Jesus told him to do it. Then he might have done it, I suppose. But instead, Thomas makes a confession instantly. My Lord and my God. When the voice of God penetrates our stubborn, callous heart, faith is created. This word is truth, and this word is grace. This word is God's law. This word is God's gospel, his good news. What Thomas was doing was wrong. It was sin that needed to stop. That is the truth. That is the law. The doubt of Thomas was doubt that did not spring from wisdom. It was doubt that sprang from anger and rebellion. Ten of his best friends in the whole world had told him the truth of the resurrection. 
He had heard it from Jesus before. Perhaps he didn't understand. But Jesus had said he would rise on the third day. But he would not accept it. Christ offered belief, not just in any spiritual invention of men, but in fact, in his word and in his work, Christ Jesus had died and he had risen just as he said. Christ did this out of mercy and love for Thomas, for you. Paul writes to Titus this truth. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Thomas responds as we should to God's word, to his trustworthy words, not with arguments. He did not say, well, Jesus, why didn't you find me and tell me earlier? Or Jesus, why did you make me wait a week? No, Thomas recognized that there was no use for such resistance. Jesus stood before him full of love. Jesus was so humble, he was willing to have a human touch his wounds. Jesus stood before Thomas, having conquered all enemies of humanity, sin and death and the devil. Jesus stood before Thomas as the one and only God. Thomas made it clear. Jesus was his God and his Lord, my Lord and my God. Not in a postmodern, this is my God option, sort of way, but as the only God, the one and only, full of grace and truth. Thomas is of great importance. Jesus did not scold Thomas for somehow not being with the other disciples the week before. Jesus knew that Thomas would serve to teach a whole world of doubters that Jesus does not dismiss them. Jesus comes to them with humility as a servant that they might have what they need. Jesus does not chastise Thomas saying, you should have been there, man. No, Jesus came for Thomas. God now comes for you, for me, for us, for those who may have doubted for years, doubted for decades. God now comes for them. God speaks the word that bends our knees. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting that I made you. Stop doubting that I love you. Stop doubting that I know your sin. Stop doubting that I can make all things new because I can. All the proof of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what we confess. John the Apostle began his letter, his first letter with these words, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father 
and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Jesus does not demand that we see certain things or experience certain feelings. One of the great tricks of the devil is to make people think that that since they have not seen, they cannot really believe. One of the great offenses of Christianity, false teaching amongst us, is to so emphasize works and miracles and signs and wonders that people doubt because they have not seen them. Tent revival preachers have been known to produce miraculous-looking events, thinking that the end justifies the means if they can just get people to believe. And such things get people to follow. Thomas is so very important to the resurrection story because God would teach us what we do and do not need. Jesus says, Because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What we need is God's word. What we need is God's truth. What we need to do is listen when God speaks. We need no special signs. We need no glorious revelations. We need not stick our fingers in the holes where nails were once driven through the flesh of our Savior. What we need is to trust what God did and trust what God declared. John writes, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There may be many things we might not have believed unless we saw But there is one thing we are meant to believe without the need to see or to touch. It is what you hear right now. That God does love you. That he has paid dearly to make you his own. That he has sacrificed to buy you back from destruction. That he rose from the dead to lay claim to you in life and death. That he has made you his own in Christ. This is the word of God proclaimed in Christ. Stop doubting and believe. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.
join together in prayer. Lord God, grant us ears to hear and believe your word of peace. Give us lips to speak that same word to this world torn by sin and wounded by war. Grant us the gift of faith that we would not doubt your power over death. Teach us to trust beyond what we can touch. Bless us to believe beyond what human eyes can see. And grant us quiet and thankful hearts. In Christ Jesus we ask it. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Yeah.